Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast, episode 56. Um, and here we we have today uh, an IFBB Pro, a figure uh, pro, uh, Deborah Rosado Bohat. Uh, Deborah, thank you very much for being on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Deborah, um, your story is absolutely incredible. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to spoil you to... to go to straight to the point, but I want you to go back um, to understand uh, what happened. And um, first of all, how you got into the fitness and then we move on to your story, right? So how, how you got into the fitness and when did you become an IFBB pro? Okay, um, I got into the sport of bodybuilding in 2013. And I actually did it uh, because a co-worker of mine, I was a fitness instructor at the YMCA, and a co-worker of mine asked me to do a show with her. She didn't want to do it by herself. Uh, at that point, I had no idea what being a bodybuilder or competing in a bodybuilding show you know, had. It was all new to me. Yeah. Uh, but I go ahead and I did it. We found a coach. Um, we went to see the coach and the coach, when he saw me, he said, your figure. Immediately. <laughs> Immediately, your figure. And I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know. What am I supposed to do, you know? And uh, he helped me with my posing, guiding me, you know, uh, what to do, how to prepare for a show. I did my own training in the gym. Um, I did my own nutrition. So it was like a challenge, you know? Mm -hmm. And I went ahead, I did my first show. I got second place in that show. But I fell in love with the sport. Uh, just the transformation, you know, the discipline, the commitment, and how you see your body transform. It was amazing to me and I was like this is something I could do you know I've always been a person um, to strive for goals to get better yeah. not just settle so I was like okay I could do this and I was like I want to do another show and I went ahead I did another show I won the show then it was I like physique I like everything about women's physique. So let's transition into women's physique and see how it goes. So did that and continued to do well in the division. Um, by that time, 2014, uh, I met my husband and my husband became my coach. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> so he trained me to get all the way to a whole different level and at that point I was dominating the figure division and the women's physique division so everybody was like you're a tweener but then with I did my first national <clears throat> excuse me my first national show and I did it in women's physique I placed eighth and so I was like, okay, I want to continue women's physique. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't a fan of wearing heels. <laughs> so I was like, women's physique, you get, you don't wear heels. You get to do a routine. The audience gets to see your physique. You get to present it in a whole different way. So I was all about that. Then I continued, and it was... 2016 when uh, my son said I want to do a show he was 16 years old he said I want to do a show I was preparing for a nationals but he said he wanted to compete and he said I want you to do a show with me so we did the Linda Murray in 2016 and I did both divisions I did figure and women's physique I won my class in both divisions, and I won the overall in both divisions. That's when you got so, the pro card? Not there. But 
So there I was torn whether to do figure or women's physique for the national show that I was preparing for. So I went ahead and I did both at that national show. Wow. And when I came out for women's physique, I'm not going to lie, they didn't even look at me. I just like was all the way in the back compared to all the physiques that were on stage. I wasn't big enough. Mm -hmm. I was lean enough, but I wasn't big enough for their division. And then in figure, I placed fourth. So there I was like, okay, I guess I have to stick with figure. It doesn't matter how much I like women's physique, I gotta stick with figure. That's where, you know, I'm more competitive at. And at that point, I thought I was done for the season. But people kept saying, Deborah, you're so close. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. And I talked to my husband at the time. I talked to my nutrition coach at the time. And everybody's like, you got to keep going. And I was hesitant because I had injured my shoulder. Uh -huh. And I couldn't lift anything over 15 pounds. It, it hurt. So I was hesitant whether to keep training or not. But we were like, all right, just go with it. You know, just be careful lifting, do what you can, and let's go. So then I did, uh, I think it was North Americans. North Americans 2016. And I did the master's class, and I won my pro card. I won my division, 35 and over, and I won the overall for 35 and over. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Wow. That's such a cool story. And, uh, and did you, uh, from 2006 to 2019, did you compete already as a pro many times? Yes, 2000. So 2016, when I got my pro card in September, I ended up having uh, shoulder surgery in December of that same year. I tore my uh, rotator cuff, labrum tear, and a slight bicep tear. Wow. So, yeah. So I was, you know, out of commission for a while. When you say a while, it, we're talking about six months or more? Uh, it was April of 2017 when they actually cleared me to start training. So um, the doctor said I wouldn't compete that year. And he actually also said, you know, I don't know if your bodybuilding career is going to continue because of the type of surgery. I don't think you'll be able to uh, do any type of lifting with anything, you know, overhead. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm the type of person you tell me I can't do anything and I'm going to do everything I can to prove you wrong. <laughs> so even when I was, you know, in a sling, not be, being able to train, I drove my husband crazy saying, you know, okay, I can't do upper body, but. I could do legs. Yeah. Let's find yeah. a way to do legs. And we found a way to train, even though, you know, I was in a sling. So I I, can't, I maintained good shape, good weight. So when I got clear to train, I told my husband, I want to compete. Let's find a show. Let's set a date. And knowing that I got something to look forward to, is going to make me work harder. So then in October of 2017, I did my pro debut. And, you know, Where? Just, which show? Which show was that? Uh, the Mount Chansey in Florida. Excellent. The, your your pro debut. That's, that probably was a, such an amazing feeling, mainly after coming from a surgery. Yes, it was... I was in awe, you know, I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like a little fish <laughs> in this big place with all these known Olympians that were there competing too. 
but it was an amazing experience because then I'm like, they all started where I'm starting yeah. and look where they're at now. So I took it in. I enjoyed it and I learned from it. And I was like, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, time passed. Uh, You've you done pretty well and I, you stay healthy and, and competing and, and improving. And then it came um, the major problem uh, that you had, uh, which is called GBS, right? Um, now, when did ha that happen? Uh, and explain a little bit more about what GBS is. Okay, uh, GBS is Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's basically an autoimmune disease that affects uh, your nerves. So uh, the, the good way of trying to picture it is um, imagine a, a bunch of piranhas eating at the, at the layer that covers your nerves, that protects your nerves. So that layer got affected, which then the autoimmune disease affected the way the nerves respond, which causes paralysis. So whole body, uh, whole body paralysis. Yes, um, um, it was twenty December twenty twenty. Um, I had done my last show for the year in August, and I was doing the whole reverse dieting, continue to work out. So um, December twenty eighth of twenty twenty. I got ready to go to the gym to do a leg workout. Everything was normal. Uh, we get to the gym and uh, I warm up. Then we get on the leg press machine. I do, you know, my sets on the leg press machines. Then my husband goes, all right, we're going to do some sissy squats. Uh, I get on the the machine to do the sissy squats and when I squat down and go to get back up I felt a burning sensation go from uh, my right glute all the way down my hamstring and I told him I can't get up it burns so we went and we tried it again and that burning sensation happened again so he said, all right, not, we're done. Let's move on to something else. Um, then we went to do like the leg extension and I just, it didn't burn, but I had a, a, just like a weird sensation in my leg, like I had hurt something. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, let, let's just call it a day. Let's go home. We don't want you to get hurt. I'm like, okay, we go home. I eat, I shower. And I lay down to take a nap. When I wake up from my nap and I stand up, my feet were numb. And it was the, the, the weirdest feeling because yes, I could stand, but I couldn't lift my knees to walk. Wow. So I was scooting. And I told my husband, I'm like, I can't lift my legs. Uh, my feet feel asleep. So he ended up taking me into the emergency room. And there they asked me questions. They did tests. And they diagnosed me with a pinched sciatic nerve. Gave me muscle relaxers, said, within two days, you should feel better. All right, go home wasn't getting better second day comes and by that time we are we have a blended family so for the holiday for new year's that was coming up we didn't have any of our kids so my husband's like all right let's take a trip to virginia beach and bring in the new year down there i'm like okay pat we at left. that point were you still able to walk at that point, I was still able to walk, uh, still scooting. Um, my hands kind of felt a little weird at that point, too, but I was still able to function. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and you didn't so they, see any improvement at all with the medication, right? Oh, no, not. So we go to Virginia Beach, check into the hotel, and it was the 29th. I tell him, I'm not feeling any better. You know, my legs feel numb. They, they feel super heavy. My back hurts. So he takes me back to the emergency room down in Virginia Beach. We tell him they diagnosed me with a pin sciatic nerve. This is the symptoms. They're not getting any better. I actually feel they're getting worse. And they're like, no, it's a pin sciatic nerve. Continue to take your medication. You're going to feel better. Oh, wow. All right, we go back. December 31st, New Year's. I wake up and I I could barely sleep the night before because my lower back was hurting so much. At that point, um, my husband had to help me to stand up and scoot and get to the bathroom and all that. And he said to me, uh, there's no point in us being here. You can't do anything. You don't feel good. Let's just go back home. And I said, okay. We went back home. He helped me in the house, put me in the bed. I fell asleep. When I woke up, um, I had to go to the bathroom. At that point, my husband was picking me up, carrying me to the bathroom because I couldn't hold myself up. Helping me go to the bathroom, bringing me back to bed, and as the day went on, I kept getting worse. Wow, and, and, and that was less than a week, right? Yes, within days. And when it got to the point that I, I told him, I need to go to the bathroom again, and he picked me up and I put my arm over his shoulder to hold on, but my arm just fell. And he's like, babe, I told you to hold on. And I'm like, I'm trying, but I can't. And at that point I told him, I need you to take me back to the emergency room. I feel like I'm getting worse. My back is killing me. And I feel like I'm having trouble breathing. So he said, okay. We went right back to the emergency room. At that point, he was very upset. So they took me to get checked in, take my vitals and all that stuff. And I'm telling the nurse, my chest feels tight. I feel like I can't get a full breath of air. And she's like, your oxygen level says you're good. You're getting oxygen, you're good. And I'm like, but my chest feels tight. So right then and there, they just take me straight back, put me in a room. A nurse comes in, she's asking the same darn questions. What are your symptoms? What did they say? My husband's getting upset. He's raising his voice. And a doctor that is walking by from visiting a patient, she was just cutting through, here's my husband and what he's saying. So she comes in and she's like, excuse me, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was overhearing what you were saying. What, what are your wife's symptoms again? So he tells her everything and she goes, I'll be right back. I have to make a phone call. She leaves the room, she comes back and she goes, sir, we're gonna have to do a spinal tap on your wife. We need to uh, collect some fluid and test that to figure out what's going on. I was like, okay. So they do the spinal At tap. At that point, were you numb already? Uh... At that point, um, my legs felt asleep, mm -hmm. but I couldn't lift them. 
You could you could feel, I, but you couldn't lift. I feel, but I couldn't lift. Mm -hmm. I still had full movement in my hands. Um, if I would raise them, they would fall. They were like heavy. Yeah. Uh, I was still breathing on my own, still talking at that point. Uh, so they did the spinal tap, took it to the lab. At that point, uh, they had put an IV and they were giving me morphine for my back pain. So right as the doctor that did the spinal tap comes in with a neurologist and they say, your test came back positive for Guillain-Barre syndrome. That's all I recall at that point because by that point the morphine kicked in and it knocked me out, I was sleeping. So my husband describes that they they explained to him what Guillain-Barre was and they told him that they had to admit me. They were gonna put me in a regular room so he can come in and visit me because during the whole time we were having COVID. So because if they put me in ICU, I wasn't gonna be allowed any visitors. Mm -hmm. They told him to go to the waiting room. They were gonna put me in a room, get me situated, and they would come back and get him. When the nurse came back to see him, it was to actually tell him that they decided to take me straight to ICU and he wasn't allowed in to see me. So when I woke up from the morphine, I was in a room at that point, um, I couldn't feel my legs at that point. I was still able to talk. Um, I was still able to move my fingers, um, but my chest felt really, really tight. So I remember telling the, the nurse that was there, I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like I try to take a deep breath and I can't breathe. So they communicated with the neurologist and the other doctors and they decided to intubate me. So they did that. And after that point, um, I don't recall me recall a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I kept getting worse. The, the paralysis ascended. So it started with my feet. It took over my legs, then it went up my body. It uh, was compressing my diaphragm. That's why I had trouble breathing. It skipped my heart. It skipped my lungs, fortunately. But it took my arms all the way to my lips, tongue, and my right eye. was all paralyzed. And uh, what did do to treat that because you were at the hospital for a long time so what is really the treatment for that so the typical treatment for that is an ivig transfusion um and plasma pheresis. now the problem with me and they couldn't explain what was going on is that my body was rejecting the treatment and wasn't responding so I went into the hospital at 138 pounds and I dropped all the way to 94 pounds within days. Wow. I, I couldn't eat, so all I had was an IV. Um, the doctors say that uh, having the amount of muscle that I did was a great thing because my body fed on, on the muscle. That's why I dropped weight so fast. Um, at one point, they thought they had misdiagnosed me because I wasn't responding to the treatments. Uh, they were consulting different doctors from different hospitals in different states to make sure they weren't missing something. And everybody was saying, yes, she's got Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, they induced me in a five-day coma to give my body a rest because my heart rate 
was escalating all the way to the 180s, 190, and was staying up there for a bit, and then it would just drop. So they were concerned on, I didn't have a stroke, I didn't have a heart attack, they even checked for brain damage, everything was good, you know? So they were communicating all this with my husband, and my husband's like, um, she's an elite athlete. She was a sprinter before she worked out. She always did cardio to maintain good, a strong heart, a strong lungs. Uh, she did a lot of hit cardio during the times that she was in prep. So her heart rate is used to get, getting up to that level and withstanding it for a period of time and then bringing it back down. So that saved me from having a heart attack, a stroke, or even having brain damage. Because your heart was already conditioned to that. Yes, yes. Um, but the thing is, I was induced in a coma. They're trying to figure it out. They're calling my husband. At that point in time, they're allowing my husband to come into the room and visit me for an hour or so every so often when before they weren't allowing him and technically they couldn't because of COVID. Um, so the day before my birthday, my birthday is January 15th. So January 14th, my husband gets a phone call from the chaplain and they ask him to come to the hospital. They need to talk to him. So my husband was actually on the way home with one of the kids, and he had to keep it together because he's with one of our kids in the car, drops her off at home, and rushes to the hospital. They have a meeting. All the doctors are surrounding me in the room. He's in the room. The chaplain's in the room. And it was to tell my husband that they were doing everything they could to save my life, but they really had no answers, and they were giving me a 10% chance to make it through the weekend. Oh my goodness. Wow. This is... Yeah. Wow. So the next day was my birthday. And my husband asked if it was possible for my family, my kids, my mom, to stand outside of my room. Luckily, I had a first floor room with window. I saw, I saw the video, yes. If they can stand there with balloons and birthday cards for my birthday. And they said yes, that was fine. So my family showed up balloons, everything, nobody in my family knew what they had told my husband. So my kids are thinking, we're celebrating mom's birthday, uh -huh. when it was a possibility of this is saying goodbye to mom. Yeah, yeah. And um, the staff that was there, they allowed my husband to come into the room. They knew what was going on. And they saw my kids standing out there, so they gave them permission to come in and be with me. But Deborah, so, question, uh, at that moment when you saw that, were you conscious uh, about your surroundings? Were you uh, understanding everything or you were really foggy? I was really foggy. I was um, in a lot of pain medication. You know, um, I, I was in and out, in and out, um, as far as I can recall during that time frame. Mm -hmm. um, and so you do, we, you really don't have memories at that moment, right? No, I really don't have memories at that moment. Uh, when I started coming through and figuring everything out was when they decided to do one last time and do the IVIG treatment and the plasmapheresis treatment again 
but this time do it in smaller dosage and do it every other day because one doctor said she's lost so much weight. I think the treatment is too much for her body to handle. So let's try it like this. And they did that and my body started responding to the treatment. That's just to prove that sometimes more is not the solution, it's actually less. More is not the solution. Yep, you're right, you know, and um, I'm a big believer in God, and I believe that God used the doctors to get that, the, the bell to ring. Ding, ding, mm -hmm. this is another try, because it wasn't my time. You know, I... I've never, I had never had a vision and while I was in the hospital, I did have a vision. I did go through an experience um, when I actually was conscious and knew what was happening. Uh, I was um, intubated at the time. I was not tricked yet and I was having trouble breathing even with a drink. Now, the worst thing in the world is, you know something is wrong, you're not feeling good, but you can't talk. Yes. You can't move. You cannot make a sign to tell somebody what's going on. And um, throughout that day, I, I, I felt like I would try to take a deep breath and I couldn't. And luckily, they allowed my husband to come in that day to see me. And he knows me so well that just by looking at my eyes, he knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. She's scared of something. And there was a moment where I was trying to breathe and I couldn't breathe to the point the alarms went off in my room. He rushed out to get the nurse, but by the time he came back with the nurse, I was able to take a breath. And he tells the nurse, I, the machines went off, she wasn't breathing. And the nurse is like, oh no, look at the monitors, everything looks normal, and started explaining everything to him. And he's like, okay. He sees the fear in my eyes. Yeah. That I'm trying to tell him something's wrong. Mm -hmm. He's got to leave. So then I'm in that room by myself. Nighttime is nighttime comes and I'm still dealing with that. And I remember I kept saying, "Lord, don't let me fall asleep." Don't let me fall asleep because if I fall asleep, I'm not going to wake up. And throughout the whole night, I'm trying to fight to stay awake. And every time I was dozing off, I would feel my head and my eyes closing. And literally, I felt like somebody nudged me. Like, wake up. Wake up, and I'm telling you this, and I get goosebumps. Oh, it's I'm 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 here getting goosebumps right here. You know, it's incredible. Incredible, and that happened throughout the whole night. The very next morning, I was scheduled to take the the intubator off and put it and get me traked. The doctor that comes in to check everything, he's like, "All right, Deborah." We got to make sure we got portable oxygen to take you down to the operating room. They're going to take this out. You're going to get trained. I got to make sure everything's working. And I'm looking at him like something's not working. So when he's like testing all the tubes and everything that I had here, he realizes that one of the pieces wasn't working. Oh no. He's like, oh gosh, Deborah, this is not working. 
you know, we're going to have to change this. He's like nothing. And literally, he takes the piece out, puts a new one in. As soon as he put that piece in, I went, and I took that breath that I needed to take. Really? That is crazy. So on top of everything, you still were dealing with a malfunction equipment. <laughs> Unbelievable. And they took me from there. I went from being intubated to being trached. And little by little, I started um, getting more function. It started, so the paralysis started descending from the top down. And uh, we are talking about, this is like how many months in, uh, that you were there? This is, um, I spent 27 days in ICU. Um, so this was after my birthday. So I would say mid-January, kind of like the third week of January mm -hmm, or so. Mm -hmm. um, um, I, the paralysis started descending. Um, my eyes had a little more function. Um, I, I still couldn't talk, but I could move my lips. So the nurses, you know, trying to read my lips and trying to understand what I was saying, that was helpful because when the paralysis started descending, that's when the real pain kicked in. The nerves were so agitated, so flared up that just touching me hurt. And uh, the morphine, at that point, it wasn't enough. So they had given me morphine as soon as the morphine, no, an hour before the morphine would wear off, they had to give me a different painkiller. So by the time the morphine wore off, this one was kicked in to then give me morphine again. And this was constant, 24 hours a day. So now you are three weeks in, and uh, although it's getting better because the paralysis is, is, uh, is wearing off and top-down, as you said, but now there is another problem, which is dealing with this constant pain. How long it took you to, to be pain-free? Oh, I wasn't pain-free till, like, I, I would say till I got to rehab. Oh, really? Yes. And rehab is like what, uh, March? Rehab was, yeah, towards the beginning of March. Because even when I left ICU, I had movement in my hands, so I could squeeze my fingers, I could hold the hand. Um, I was starting to lift my arms, but everything else was still asleep. And they transitioned me from ICU to respiratory therapy. Uh, to get my lungs strong enough so they can take the trach out. So that was a whole different scenario I had to go through. Um, and within two and a half weeks of me being there, I was off the trach and ready to move on. They told my husband four to six months it would take for me to be off the trach. So that yeah. video when you are leaving the hospital with uh, the Wonder Woman costume, pretty nice. Uh, that, that was like how many months? That I was there three weeks. That was, yeah, no, yeah. I was there about three and a half weeks or so. But that was what, what was April? April. April, right? That was the Wednesday before Easter. Because my goal was to be home by Easter and to be able to walk into church with my family. And you, and you did. And I did. I did. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. 
and 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 I saw the video and it were actually although you have like a car to to hold on but you were actually walking you know no one was holding you you were actually doing it on your own yes yes the physical therapy was was awesome the the staff there was amazing um very supportive the wonder woman outfit actually came from my doctor it was an idea it came from my the idea came from my physical therapist but it was because my doctor when the team would get together to talk about my progress and my physical therapist was telling him you know we're amazed she's doing this and she's doing that and she's already walking and she gets out of bed by herself and you know, she went up and down the stairs and she's always willing to try something. So he said, she's Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the outfit, you know, the idea started. And then my husband's like, I got it. He went and got everything. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. And your moment getting home uh, with that surprise, it was just phenomenal. Now, did they ever tell you why this happened or there is no explanation, you know, uh, for, for you yes. to get to this at, at the first, in the first place, right? Because you were pretty healthy. Yeah, um, it was a flu shot. Really? Yeah. They, they actually went to the root cause and they said it was of the flu shot? Yeah, it was an adverse reaction to a flu shot. And My body started attacking itself. And did you get did you get this flu shot like in December? Uh, end of October, I believe. So it took like two months to really kick in. Mm -hmm. Wow! Yeah. But it was not your first time taking that flu shot, probably, right? No, it, I had had the flu shot of eight years before that one. So when I was a teacher and I worked as a physical education teacher, I took the flu shot every year. When I stopped teaching, I was like, I don't need the flu shot anymore, so I never took it again up until that year. And the only reason why I did it was because of the whole COVID thing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'll take the flu shot because if I feel sick, I know it's not the flu and I know it's COVID. So I went ahead and did it. Wow. And, and were they able to diagnose that uh, uh, more towards the end or they were able to narrow this right in the beginning of the treatment? Uh, they were able to narrow it in the beginning, you know, based on questions, uh, because uh, there are certain things that can trigger the Guillain-Barre on mm -hmm. anyone. Um, I didn't fit any of the categories other than I had a flu shot and one adverse reaction from a vaccine, especially the flu, is Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, is this syndrome can be I mean, based on, 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 on the circumstance and based on everything you live, it can be fatal, right? I mean, it can be, it can have a, a, the worst outcome ever, right? So it went, did, you, did you ever do any research to see how many people survive uh, with this? Um, the, there is a, I think it was seven to 8% people do not make it. Mm -hmm. um, it, it has to be extreme cases. Um, not a lot of people get to that extreme. Like my neurologist said to me that he's seen two extreme cases in all his years, and I was one of them. He said mine was more extreme than the other, and unfortunately the first one he's ever seen, the he didn't make it. But he said he was also older and not in good health. Not, you know. Yeah, your, your shape and your 
previous activities, physical activities and diet, everything definitely play a, a very important role for you to make it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would always love fitness and I've always used fitness as a way to motivate and inspire people. Um, and I believe that the Lord put bodybuilding into my life and allowed me to be so passionate about this sport and to become an elite athlete to actually prepare me for this to be able to overcome this yeah definitely you are the 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 personification of the word overcome and i'm so glad that krista my friend krista uh introduced me to you uh, now, I've seen uh, some new videos. You are already working out. Uh, you are already uh, evolving and getting back in shape. Do you have plans to get back on stage? I do. I, I, I would like to. Mm -hmm. um, just I just say just one more time. Yeah. Just to say to myself yeah. and to show my family my kids that no matter how hard you know life knocks you down you find a way to get back up and you just keep going and whatever you set your heart and mind to accomplish you can i mean so. you are already a survivor and a warrior and so you don't have to prove anything to anyone but uh when you do for the right reasons, which is I want to do that at least one more time. So I have this closure, right? I, I think it's important. And uh, and knowing the, the drive that you have, I have no doubt that you're gonna be able to get there uh, at the right time. It may not be the next year, it may take a little while, but it's, it's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. And I feel like having a goal to get back on stage you know i've even said i i, I don't care I, I i don't have to do figure i mean it took me eight long years of training hard to build that muscle to be competitive at the pro level mm -hmm. you know and i'm not getting younger so I'm like, it doesn't need to be bigger, you know. I can come down in class. I just want to get on that stage yeah. and say, look what I went through. This is where I'm at now. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, Deborah. Uh, congratulations so much for um, overcoming uh, that and, and staying so positive about life and about everything that uh, you do and keep inspiring people and keeping showing that it's possible is an example not only for your family for your kids but uh, for everyone that uh, knows about you and i hope that is uh, with this podcast more people know about this story because honestly i didn't really know about this uh, condition until I read about you, right? So I think it also brings awareness uh, about it. Uh, so people, more people know about this. Yeah, I mean, life is too short, you know? It, it, it doesn't matter. I was healthy and look. So I count my blessings. I'm happy to be here. I, I believe the Lord has a higher purpose for me. And I believe he's using my story, my the miracle of my life to fulfill his purpose. And no matter how hard life hits you, there, there's always a positive, you know, within the negative. I mean, I still, to this day, I struggle, you know, and a lot of things. There's days that I do feel discomfort. There's days where my muscles are really tight so it's hard for me to move I, I still have issues with my hands they i have tremors it's hard for me to do my hair to cook a meal you know to even write you know i'm starting from scratch yeah so essentially the way we describe it when we talk about it is 
I'm a toddler in a grown person's body because I've had to train my body to do everything again. Mm -hmm. Even though my mind says, you know how to do that. You can do that. My body doesn't know. So. And the doctors say that this uh, is a long-term recovery process. They, 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 they told you anything about how long it would take for you to be 100% functional in like uh, it's a couple of years maybe? The doctors, it is a very slow recovery because the nerves uh, regenerate very, very slow. Um, it could take years, but um, they don't know how long. And there is no guarantee that I could recover 100%. Oh, of course, you're going to prove them wrong because... Uh... <laughs> I, I already did. Yes. I, I'm already doing it. You know, they told my husband I would leave the hospital in a wheelchair. I left rehab therapy in a walking in a walker. Yes. Within a week of coming home, I went to my first outpatient therapy and I left that place walking with a cane. Mm -hmm. He said, you don't need the walker. You need a cane. You know? Yeah. Yep. They, they thought I was going to be in a wheelchair for a year. No. You know, so yes. I surpassed the, the timeline that they have given. Yeah. You already are uh, uh, beyond the expectations of recovery. Because you are working out. I mean, I, I've seen you working out, so you are lifting weights already. That's uh, that's uh, gigantic. Yeah, I have a great support system. You know, my my husband. Uh, I say he's my angel because he's been there by my side through it all, and you know, never lost faith. And he pushes me. You know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic, Deborah. Thank you very much for taking the time uh, to, to record this. I know that we were supposed to record before, but uh, you were traveling, so I'm, I'm glad we were able to make it today. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and keep keep inspiring, keep doing great things. I'm, I'm looking forward to see uh, you on stage again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. This is a wrap for today's episode. Thank you very much for the audience and see you again next time.